to punish Saddam Hussein for invading Kuwait and to make sure he doesn't do anything like that again or worse, the UN imposed sanctions on Iraq, the harshest, most comprehensive sanctions in modern times. Very little goes into the country, virtually no oil goes out. We have heard that a half a million children have died. I mean, that's more children than died when, when, in, in Hiroshima. And, and, you know, is the price worth it? I think this is a very hard choice, but the price, we think the price is worth it. Welcome to What's Left, a weekly political discussion challenging the mainstream left. I'm Eduardo Barca, co-host, teacher and socialist Andy Lipson, and socialist Kenny Cepeda. We're online at whatsleftpodcast.com. You can find that link to our site in the episode notes. Uh, you can also find our personal social media handles as at Don Eduardo Barca uh, on Instagram if you need to find me. And uh, please subscribe, rate, review, turn on your notifications, and share your favorite episode wherever you found this episode. Uh, and uh, it'll help us. Thank you. All right. Um, so this week, let's do let's do a summary this week we're doing israel and palestine conflict we are yeah. keeping up with the current events andy yeah, let me, just, yeah and let me just say that people probably heard last week when we had hema on how we had talked about you know this our school's becoming more violent this question of is the shit hitting the fan you know in the, in the world kind of came up and actually we we had actually done an additional episode with hema that asks is, you know, what, what do you do when the shit hits the fan? And that was supposed to come this weekend. But this Saturday, uh, uh, literally a, a war, a war reemerged. Um, but this time a two-sided war um, emerged where Israel declared war on Palestine um, or on the Palestinians in the Gaza um, in, in, in response to an attack uh, laid out by the Hamas on several fronts, breaking out of out of. Uh, Gaza. And the events of that, not only are they startling, but I think there's a lot of questions that that I have. Um, I have some perspective on things, but I have as many questions as I do with perspectives on things. And so I wanted to bring that to this discussion here. And Kenny wanted to have that discussion. Eduardo, you definitely wanted to have that discussion. So uh, this is what we're going to discuss this week, um, because it just it's 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 a it's a giant development in my opinion um and i think the implications well i want to talk about what i think the implications are yeah so i'm i'm as well interested and i think we might find some connections um with down south in africa as you had mentioned to me uh which i was supposed to go to africa this year but two countries near where i'm going to have had recent coups so it's directly affected my trip and uh, and I'm I'm not able to go at this time. Uh, so let's so why don't we go into what let's do a summary of what's happened so far. Do uh, you want to take over and share with us that summary, Andy, or should I? Because right now I'm just coughing on the way. <laughs> yeah, why don't we do the thing where I'll say as many details as I can, and then people just add in what they what they have. Yeah. Um. So out of the blue, um, obviously. The occupation of Gaza is not out of the blue. <laughs> um, the fact that the Palestinians have been living uh, uh, a, in a ghetto 
in a concentration camp in a city in a region that is basically a concentration concentration camp um, for decades, uh, and they have been under attack. Their their militants have been under attack, but their civilians have been under attack as well by the due to the occupation of their of that of that region. And we've talked here as well that behind this is a history of the fact that a region that was once Palestine in 1946 is now been divided up and carved up so that the Palestinians live on only a small piece patch of that land. And they have been occupied, that their land has been occupied by settlers. Um, these settlers call themselves Israelis. And, um, and that is a, an apartheid state was set up that has only rights for those Jewish Israeli settlers and very few rights for the people who actually lived in that region before them. So this is an illegal occupation for the last, what is it, 46, uh, 50, 60, 70, 70 years. Um, uh, on the order of, and and the the plight of the, of the Palestinians, I think, is on the order of what has happened to indigenous people in this country that were moved and pushed and pushed out. And, and there was resistance from them. And that, by and large, that resistance has mostly been defeated. Um, and, but there are, continues to be resistance from the Palestinians. They want to avoid the, 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 the thing that has happened, that sometimes happens to an, an indigenous population by, by an empire, which is to be eradicated. And they're trying to avoid their eradication. So, um, so out of that violence that the, that the Palestinians live in was a pretty stunning uh, set of series of events. Like uh, apparently uh, from fighters from Hamas, which is one political group in um, in uh, in Palestine, um, there are other political groups, and there's just one, um, and they have a they have a military wing. Um, they had there were some who went on to motor like uh, what is it motorized like um, vehicles on by sea and launched an attack north of of Gaza and took some territory. Some people broke through fences. Um, some people went on to on the paragliders and came in over paragliders. There was a military encampment uh, occupied and taken over by the Palestinians that Israeli military had been at, and then they were they were surprised and and I think they were some were killed, some were taken hostage, and some were then taken back. I think in, now are in in Gaza. Um, people have heard about some of the set, settler territories that were there, which would be the settlers there in, in Israel who were were in the southern in southern what is called now southern Israel um, were were over over or were besieged by the Hamas. You know, people were killed, people were taken prisoner, people fleed, uh, police stations were taken over, uh, military people were also uh, attacked. Um, and this was just like everyone, no no one saw this coming. In fact, uh, Anthony Blinken only weeks ago had been saying that the Middle East, at least this part of the Middle East, is as, is as, as quiet as it's ever been kind of thing. Um, and that's obviously this whole notion of how this happened is going to be part of what we discuss. Well, it did happen. Uh, I think thousands, or at least a thousand, were a thousand Israelis um, were, were 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 said to be killed. Uh, those are the numbers I've heard. Not a thousands, but a thousand. Um, and then, of course, there's talks about how did this happen, things like that. But then, you know, the U.S. circles around. Obviously, Netanyahu, who has been a besieged president, prime minister of of, of Israel, 
you know, basically says, declares war pretty much immediately um, on, on Palestine and on Gaza. And then they've, since that time, they've been amassing soldiers. And I think they've been doing shelling and uh, flyover bombs of Palestine. And they're cutting energy, cutting food, cutting water, just basically sieging. It's, this is, these are, this is like a, a region under siege, literally under siege. And this is what you would do when castles were sieged. You would starve and try to like basically the enemy give by, by, well, certainly hurling things into their walls, but also not letting them, not no, getting, letting no resources get inside. And so the entire population is now um, under siege in, in, in Gaza. Um, and so there, and it looks to be like the beginnings of what will be a guerrilla war because there is talk of them going in and they are marshalling forces on the outside of Gaza to go in. And there have been at the same time, there's, there's been on the North, on North of Israel, there have been now uh, back and forth artillery, mortar and artillery between Hezbollah or Lebanon and Israel. And there's actually been attacks around Golan. I'm not sure if it's in the Golan Heights, but between Syrian forces and Israel in some regions. I haven't heard anything about what's going on in the West Bank. That's another region for things to happen. Um, Gaza is more isolated, um, like it's in the sea and within within Israel itself. West Bank is connected to the other other forces. Um, and just geopolitically, obviously, U.S., the West, all the people who backed Ukraine and Ukraine itself have said we're we stand with Israel. Um, China and Russia have basically called for peace, um, but in a, and in a more measured way, but have not gone on and said they stand for Israel, um, but have not seemingly not taken sides. And other powers, Yemen, Saudi Arabia, I think Iran, have basically not said that the, the attacks were justified, but have basically said Israel should not go in and destroy Pal and destroy Gaza. Um, and and seemingly are taking more of the side of the Hamas fighters and the Palestinian cause. Um, and so that's that's some of the things I would say as a background. I, I'd like to chime in. Um, you know, this comes after we had covered, for anyone who is interested, uh, we have covered the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, I think twice, if I'm not mistaken. And in one episode, if people want to look back on that episode, each one of us covered a section or part of history and uh, what's happening in the past and what's happened in current times. So I invite people to look at that episode because we covered extensively inform informative uh, history lesson, so to speak, on this Palestinian-Israeli conflict. Uh, so I today is uh, the 12th of January, the 12th of October, and in Mexico it's a uh, day of the pluricultural nation or Dia de la Nación Pluricultural or Dia de la Raza. And then the this Monday was Day of uh, People's Indigenous Day instead of celebrating um, Christ Christopher Columbus. And so there, there have been, because there's a sunrise ceremony here in Alcatraz where uh, I have attended year after year and this year I didn't go, I just, for other reasons. But but they've always brought to highlight the uh, the support and the solidarity for Palestine, and the seventh of October was it that happened? I think it was Saturday. What was it? This or the seventh of October was the conflict that the surprise attack, and and you have seen the left 
come out in support of this Palestinian um, of the Palestinians, which great, wonderful. I'm glad, and we've said that that's that's great. But we'll get to what what should really happen, right? Um, and so I, I'm 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 proud of the solidarity, but it's a hypocrisy because we'll get there. And all of this on this week, being Dia uh, de la Raza, People's Indigenous Day, and stuff, right? And it was a surprise attack. I, I have my suspicions, if I can just go right into it, because, you know, last time we covered um, Pegasus and spy vigilante, uh, 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 like, um, surveillance from uh, Israel, they have very strong surveillance apparatus. You know, it's, it's no kidding. Mexico is the biggest, uh, it has become the biggest uh, consumer of buying this, this, this spy uh, surveillance program from Israel, which we even cover. They've been spying on the Zapatistas, the guerrilla force down in Chiapas. So it was to me the most interesting surprise attack because I have thought to myself, if they are some of this network of vigilantes and 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 the spite the notorious spiteful to be used amongst some of the most best in the world how did they get arms west bank which is like very small you know how can you get supplied it's literally right there by the sea and then blocked in sections as an open air prison uh just by israel right there so how did they get the armed so without being noticed this to me is suspicious whether it is a surprise attack as it has been reported and so i get the sense that we are seeing possibly the expansion rather and the uh, maybe this is one version i don't know we're all i'm i'm speculating here you can all see maybe if this debatable or not the, maybe the expansion of maybe Israel wanting to have an attack like this to to justify its full-on throttle attack on the West Bank because it's just a small piece that you need to, if you keep seeing, look at images. I invite, maybe we'll put them here. I'll, I'll look for um, a video clip where the border keeps moving and moving and moving and moving and moving and expanding the entire Israel. And so it, it, to me, it's like, well, why don't you just take over the West of Bank? But you're going to have to find a way to justify it, you know? That's one way of seeing this. I, I think that I've, I've saw that on some people's analysis. And but, one second, Eduardo. And just to yeah, be clear, ahead. you've been saying West Bank, or are you saying Gaza? Gaza. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Not West just Bank. Sorry. Gaza. Okay. Sorry. 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 Uh, yeah. Gaza. I apologize. <laughs> Thank you, Andy. I hope people, maybe I'll, yeah. So. So it's it, it's to me that's the part where I think it's very suspicious, knowing that they're one of the most strongest uh, uh, surveillance programs that they hold. Uh, I'll stop there. I don't know if anyone wants to add to that because that may be a speculation of mine that may not be agreeable to both of you. No, I, I actually share that suspicion. I don't yet know, like for sure, what I believe in that sense because this incident has been referred. Um, in certain media that I've read, they've, they've hinted at being Israel's 9-11. And as we know, 9-11 for the U.S. was an excuse to go do other shit that had nothing to do with it. 
Uh, I do share that suspicion with you, Eduardo, that uh, Gaza is one of the most surveilled pieces, pieces of land in, in the world. Uh, the, you know, they have AI, they have cameras everywhere. Um, they had 70 years of, you know, the Israelis have had 70 years of experience in, in, you know, in, in, you know, perfecting and having guinea pigs, human guinea pigs, um, you know, and so it is highly suspicious. So I do, maybe we'll address that later, like that, you know, what roads that might take us because was Israel really, you know, surprised? Did they allow it? Because we also have to factor in that Netanyahu, the Israeli prime minister, he's been in deep shit in the country. People have been on the streets in mass because he wanted to change the, uh, you know, the, the, the legal system basically to protect his ass. And, you know, and there were masses of protests, not, not, that sh not small, for weeks and weeks and weeks, you know, and, and so that's a recent thing. And so obviously when you have an external enemy, you know, that's a very easy way to deviate attention and to quote unquote, bring people together. But that's something else. I just want to add some details that I think are important. Um, you know, that you're talking about Gaza, right? And Gaza is being located, you know, <laughs> since 2006, you know, um, and Egypt is part of that blockade. So they're surrounded. They don't have anywhere to go, you know, and like you said, um, they are basically landlocked because they can't even use the sea because they have a, a air, sea, land blockade. Uh, where Israel and Egypt, you know, both allies of the U.S. are, are part of. Um, give me one second. Um, I don't know. What Sorry. Oh yes. Uh, the other thing is uh, that this insane response, right? Like, like you said, Lipson, they Ben uh, Netanyahu declared war uh, pretty much immediately, and up to this morning, uh, I heard reports that. The Israeli government has said, or the military had said that they dropped 6,000 bombs in less than a week on, 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 on a, an area of 2.2 million people that's pretty densely populated, uh, where most of the people, half the people population, I think, are, are believed to, to be kids. You know, it's a very young population. And um, it, it's, a, you know, it, it, to me, it doesn't sound like a war. It sounds like a genocide it, it taking place you know it, uh, there are some reports that there are uh, like 350,000 displaced people uh, you know within days of you know what happened uh, there were also there's another thing to bring up in terms of like the media coverage right western media mainstream you know they're all in, li in line as objective as they try to be they were in line pushing a similar narrative uh, there was these reports of beheading of kids, right? That that was being shoved down people's throats. That the, they suggested that Hamas, um, this, and I'm being cynical, right? Like because again, the tropes, the racist tropes, they're playing this in the background. Uh, these the Hamas, the savages, beheaded forty kids, uh, and even the Israeli government hasn't confirmed that. You know, and and, and again, it's. I, I take a, a pause as to what's reported, you know, I, I, because we've been lied to. We know how this machinery works. And so that's in part why I want to have the, these conversations to, to see what we think, what kind of this stuff, you know, can we believe? Um, you know, because it, it's still very recent. It's a fog of war. Um, 
And so I'm not so sure, you know, like I don't, I don't yet, I'm not yet entirely convinced that this was a surprise on Israel. Um, and so I'm curious, you know, as to what you think about this. Um, yeah, this has been what I've been going back and forth on. Um, uh, like, I think what Eduardo is saying that this was not a surprise, that this was a 9-11, that this was an operation even organized by Mossad, even organized by the U.S., by the CIA, is entirely possible. It's entirely possible. Like, that is not a, that is not a silly position. That's like, that one, you one could even call that a likely position. Like, maybe the most likely one that some people have. And I think many people who are critical of what Israel is doing, who have avoided the I stand with Israel crap, are, are going there first. <clears throat> and I'll say at times I can, I can see it that way. And, but I don't currently, um, and I'll tell you what, how I see what's going on. And in bringing this up with talking to my brother about it and kind of came in a text that me and Joe and Heather and, and Brandy were on, it became clear to me that when, that when, when we talk about what we see in the world, really all we're doing is holding a mirror up to ourselves. It's, I describe it like a Rorschach test. You, it's like an ink blot you put in front of yourself and you say, what pattern do you see? And it, you always see patterns that are, that are based on your psyche. So let's be clear. What you hear from me is not what's, it's per se, is not what's happening in the world. It is, is what Andy, how Andy sees the world. And so that's, that's my perspective I'm, I bring to it. Um, and I think that's what's perspective we all bring to it. That's not to say there's no truth in any of it, but I, I really at this moment can see that if I saw the world one way, I would say one thing. If I saw the world another way, I would say another. So here's how I look at it. First off, my view of this is I look at it in the framework of, of the entire globe going to war. I look at the framework. I don't look at it through the framework of Palestine, Israel, or even Iran, Palestine, Israel, or even Saudi Arabia, Iran, Palestine, Israel. I look at it through the realm of a world that is that 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 has been divided up by the big powers and is currently being redivided. And that was a that was one of the quotes or a, a like quote that Lenin had used about when he when he wrote the book Imperialism. The world had been divided, and it was in the process of being redivided that the age of imperialism emerged when markets, the, the markets had already been fully found, the resources had been fully found, but because of monopoly capitalism, the needs of finding more market and the needs of finding more resources came up against big powers whose monopolies were butting up against each other. And that was going to break out into, into, into local war, but then regional war and then global war. And this was what he wrote about in this book called imperialism. And that is the world we are in now. There, it is a world being redivided, being redivided between China, United States, Russia, Europe wants to get in there, India wants to get in there, South America and Brazil wants to get in there. And you hear terms like BRICS, you hear terms like G8, you hear, you hear terms like World Economic Forum, and that, that is not a global feat. To me, the World Economic Forum is very much a Western feature, not a, not a global feature. Even though people want to call it the the the, the base, the hub of the gluten, the gluten, the new world order, and I look at this event as something that is very, in my opinion, if if this is an event that was per pursued by Israel and the United States, I think it's very bad planning, because I think this this event right here 
I believe, goes very well for China, very well for Russia, very well for the war, which still, the global war, the center of the global war, I still believe, occurs has pet, occurs in that in that fracture that's taken place in Ukraine. And Ukraine, its counteroffensive has been defeated. And they are now in a position where think that the tide is going to be turned. And even so there have been stories of how ammunition reserves were taken from Israel to try to to try to give them to Ukraine so their counteroffensive could be successful and so they could continue to fight. And all of that has been depleted. The West went into I might go on for a while here. So the West went into that war. U.S. went into that war with the notion that they were going to use the Ukrainian Ukrainians to bleed Russia. But what has in fact happened is they they tried to bleed Russia, and Russia has bled. But with the with the ounces of blood that Russia has shed, puddles of blood have been shed not just by the Ukrainians but by United States and NATO in particular is much weaker militarily and even economically than it was when, in the beginning of that war. And China and Russia have emerged much stronger. And so what you, and, 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 and that, at that time, you also seen a potential of a, of a second front opening up in Taiwan with China and the United States saying, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna take you on here, but also realizing that they're gonna have to front, fight two wars at the same time. And now we have a third front opening up, a third front in, in, in Israel um, with the Palestinians. And which which is going to require the U.S. to marshal more resources to to back essentially what is a like a giant landed aircraft carrier of shock troops. The Israel is the original proxy force. Everyone talks about Ukraine as the proxies. U.S.'s original proxies are the are the Israelis for fighting for U.S. oil interests in that region. And that's the re, that's what the British use them for. And that's because it's never been about Jews. It's always been about the resources of the Middle East. And the British used the Israelis for that, the Israeli settlers, and now the U.S. are using those Israeli settlers for that. They are proxy fighters, willing proxy fighters, because they get paid good money, and they and they they live a better life than the people around them. And they and there's a ton of money that goes into there, but that that's what they are. They're they are proxy warriors. Well, this is now a new front opening up that's going to actually stretch the U.S. even more. And personally, I believe that if you. I don't, I don't believe if the U.S. was behind this, like, but I think the U.S. has really screwed itself over. And if the U.S., like if, if Israel was going to do this, they were definitely going to check with the United States. And I don't, I just don't see the United States wanting to open up this third front. That's just me. But I do, I definitely believe that China and Russia and would definitely be looking to use Iran, as I do believe they are using them, to help push a new in the context of a very successful operation happening in Ukraine for Russia and China, they would definitely be willing to push their Israel. Iran is, is China's new Israel and Russia's ally as well in that region to say, open up a new front and we'll use your proxies. And the, in this case, the Palestinians, I believe, and their fight that's going to draw in, I do believe this is going to be a wider war that's going to draw in the Hezbollah. It's going to draw in Iran as a as a as a funder for some of those forces. I think Syria is going to get involved. I think even and I think the powers that are organizing behind that are getting more involved with China and BRICS are going to find themselves all aligning against ultimately against the United States and against Israel. In this case, they might not do it openly, but behind the scenes, they'll be doing it. And they're going to continue to bleed Israel 
And if they bleed Israel, that means they're bleeding the United States. And and I think Israel, if it gets drawn into a guerrilla fight in Gaza, is going to find itself trapped, trapped in a way that what in the way that Russia was trying that, that the United States was trying to trap Russia with Ukraine, but has been unsuccessful. And so if if Israel and the United States are behind this, I think they've fumbled badly. They've miscalculated badly. Personally, I do believe bigger powers are in play. And I don't believe Hamas acted independently. I believe that Hamas is acting with, with the understood support and understood resource. And it can come through Egypt. It can come through many ways um, in terms of getting into Gaza. That's, that's what I believe is, is be, if you will, behind this. And they're being used, the Palestinians are being used as another big power proxy in that region. Do I have proof for this? No. But I, I, don't, I don't think in this case Hamas has the capability, to, is not act, I just don't believe they're acting independently. Um, and if you ask me who, who, who benefits from this, I think Russia and China benefit from it. I think Iran's going to become a bigger player. And I think Israel is going to find itself in a much, much weaker position. And U.S. is going to find itself in a weaker, even a weaker position. Its ammunition stores are tapped. And now they're even saying, they're even saying, uh, I was telling uh, Kenny this, that for the first time, Kirby, uh, who's a spokesperson for the Biden administration, for the first time has said, look, we can't fund both Ukraine and Israel. So Ukraine may have to understand that we're at the end of our rope for funding. And if if that means you U.S. is admitting defeat in order to in order to actually support Israel, which is what you'd have to do if you're a big power trying to hold on, then you have really fucked yourself if you put yourself in that position. Because now you have to retreat from a place that you thought you were going to have victory and retreat to here. And they're going to be defeated here as well, in my opinion, because I believe this is not a war that's going to end. It's going to be a, a war that will expand and extend because it's part of this. It's part of a global war that's taking place. And as Kenny or as Eduardo pointed out, that war is even happening in Africa right now. These coups that have taken place are not just coups out of the out of the blue. Wagner forces, Russia is acting behind them. China's presence is in those coups, and they're trying to oust the French, trying to oust the United States. And the United States are trying to get back in with their forces. So proxy wars are emerging everywhere on the globe because world war is is here, and it's and it's it's gathering a pace. And I believe what you're seeing is a new front opening in the world war. And I think it's a front opened up by China and Russia and Iran. And I think it's one that, that maybe if Israel thought they were getting something from this, I think they've, again, I think they've just miscalculated. So for me, I, I am open to the idea that this was a, what's it called? A, uh, uh, a surprise, a surprise, some level of surprise. And I'll just say one last thing from people who've said who have also thought that this guy, Alistair or something or another, who was being interviewed. And he noted, he said, look, number one, Israel has off, has immense respect for Hezbollah. Uh, those are other fighters that are going to be involved in this as well. I forgot if I didn't mention them from Lebanon, um, has much respect for Hezbollah, but always thinks Hamas is a joke. And secondly, he actually said that the emphasis of, of intelligence on AI and data collection has actually weakened weakened the the industry because they're they, they have less influence on having humans on the ground in places and i was an interesting point like this 
this new thing that everyone's saying is going to you know revolutionize things and make it in many ways there's a weakness to it so again i i myself have a tough time believing this could be a complete surprise but in terms of geopolitically who i think gains from this if israel and the united states were behind this i think they've totally miscalculated and so that because i think this is horrible for their for the united states in relationship to it trying to regain global hegemony hegemony um and i think they're going to they're going to a new front has been opened that's going to mean that they're going to bleed out even more in another direction and china and russia and iran are going to advance regionally as a result of that so that's why i see it the way i see it um so sorry that was a long no, I have a question. So, I mean, so those were the two roads that I was like exploring. You know, it's like is Israel and the U.S. like planning this, right? Like, and what do they get out of it? And like, is China like, who's doing the, the the offensive, the tactical move here? And I see what you're saying. You know, like I've also thought about that. But so then I ask about Hamas. You know, like. Obviously, the consequences of their action have been, you know, very much disproportional. I mean, I understand, right, like the Hamas, Ukraine, you know, Palestinian people, uh, Israeli, Israeli people, they're all uh, pawns in the game that much, much bigger, you know, in like, we, as we've seen in Ukraine, uh, the the big players that, that are making the big moves, they're willing to put people in a fucking meat grinder, you know? And so I understand like, so what does Hamas get out of this? You know, like, you know, like, should, if there was, you know, tacit support, like, where is it? You know, like, was it just like logistical? And those are just questions that I have. You know, uh, because I don't think they're dumb. <laughs> you know, like they they are playing their cards to some degree, right? And and I don't. And of course, there's a level of desper desperation when you're fucking like you know subjugated so much. But if you know, like, what do they get out of it? Like, well, can I say something about that, Kenny? I mean, uh, Eduardo. Okay. Um, first off, Hamas has never. Hamas's roots are not out of the independent struggle of the Palestinian people. Hamas's origins comes out of Israel and the United States looking to find an Islamic counterweight to secular, to, to secular uh, movements that were looking to take down Israel that were connected more to the, so the former Soviet Union and to socialism and communism. So there were, there were groups like the PLO, the Palestinian Liber Liberation Organization, who, and you can, and even in the Iranian revolution, that when Mossadegh, not Mossadegh, but when the Shah got taken down, there were secular forces that looked to take power that were had connection to the Communist Party. And the United States and Israel have off, always wanted to take those, those forces out because that was their biggest fear of secular, nationalist, and even communist movements taking over the Middle East. So their counterweight was to basically fund and support groups that have origins through the Muslim Brotherhood, like Hamas, and even Hezbollah has links to that kind of stuff. Sort of, they were trying to basically find an Islamic counterweight that was much, they, they felt they could be, they could control much more easily than these secular movements that they felt were out of their control and were often in the, under the control of the former Soviet Union. So they themselves also were patsies, were not 
as independent as they needed to be. Um, so I don't think Hamas has roots at, as an independent force among the Palestinians. And, and that doesn't make them stupid. It just means I feel like they've always been compromised. And currently, I believe that Hamas has been more a tool of Iran recently than of Israel and the United States. So that's why I think that this seems like more something where the like the Iranian Revolutionary Guard or the the whatever the whatever the Mossad of the Iranian government, in my opinion, would play more a hand in training and helping Hamas and even in the timing of this. And I think, and I think Russia and China probably were told that this is something that could be done. And I think they just basically let the dog off the leash and they let it run because it's like that time, the time is now, because I think that the timing of this to me feels very close to a turn in the war in Ukraine. And, and this to me looks like it puts an immense amount of pressure on the United States and the West in the context of them already having lost an offensive that they bet everything on the count, the so-called Ukrainian counteroffensive. And that thing has been crushed and almost maybe a hundred up to a hundred thousand lives were lost just in the counteroffensive alone of Ukrainians. And now they, they've got nothing. And now they are facing a, a, a massive, a massively stronger Russian army on that front. And at that very time, a new front's going to open up so the U.S. has to start to put forces there. I, that does not seem like a good move for the United States. And if this was done by Israel without consultation with the United States, then that's a giant mistake. You know? So that's why I'm, I, I totally understand people's reasons for doubts. But for me, this just looks like something that is, is, is controlled, but controlled by the powers that right now have initiative. And that is not the United States. That is China and Russia. And I don't say some people hear that as like, oh my God, the China. No, I, but I don't say that as a criticism. All I can say is, I support the independent, the right of the Palestinians for liberation. But currently, all big powers are going to get themselves involved in any liberation struggle, and everyone's going to find themselves being used and abused some way, shape, or form. The people in Donbass are being used by the Russians, just like the Ukrainians <laughs> are being used by the people in the in, and and that's what's happening here in Palestine a completely justified fight for liberation is going to be turned into a proxy war for some big power. That's just the reality, unfortunately, folks. And, the, um, and last thing, the, our role here in this country is to defeat our own government in its, and get its hands out of that region, regardless of what Iran is doing, what Russia is doing, what China is doing. Our role is not to stop Russia, not to stop China. Our role is to stop the U.S. government in its intervention into that region, and then of course take our own government down, and, and not allow it to intervene anywhere in the globe, um, and 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 remove its fingers everywhere it has it. Can you or? I, yeah, no, I. It's a lot to think about for me. Um, like I said, I, I was, I didn't know what to make of it fully. Like I thought about these moves. Didn't fully see, you know, those connections. Um, I guess the other thing that I, because we when you post this topic, you know, like we talked about blood in the water, right? Like, do the challenging powers smell some weakness in, in, in the U.S. and like 
because you know you talked about how like that spokesman, like, spokesperson for the U.S. said that they couldn't fund. You know, like like I don't because I've heard that I don't I don't see it as being just about the money. It's about the industrial war capacity because that's one argument that I've heard about Ukraine that the West doesn't have the industrial capacity to sustain a world war. You know, if you were to go to in, you know, so they will be really fucked, you know, in like, honest, in the, you see that logic in this conflict and the U.S. is drawn and other forces force the U.S. hand because they are moving carriers, that, you know, that way. And they have to do a show of force too behind their biggest asset, right, like in the, in that region. Um, and, it, it, you know, it, it is a very interesting argument that the U.S. is somewhat on its heels. Um, and which actually scares me more, right? Because we've talked about the nuclear option, you know, the Samsung option for Israel and, and you know, the U.S. obviously. And um, I just wanted to bring that up, you know, like the whole argument that the, the West doesn't have the industrial capacity to have a world war, an industrial war. And to say that while the U.S. and the NATO capacity has been exposed as weak and suffering and fragile in comparison, like in, through this conflict in Ukraine, Russia's capacity for war has grown massively. Like it is producing millions of shells per year compared to the United States, tens of thousands of shells. And it's, it's not even close. And their ability to marshal their military and their training of their own military now, in terms of the actual implementation of satellites and ISR tech technology, they now have a trained military that can fight a modern war. The U.S. does not. It, it fought people in trucks. And so the U.S. is so exposed. Why would the U.S. open up another front into which its small capacity and inability to fight a war? It makes no sense that they would open up a new front in fighting when their capacity has been so exposed. And that that's one reason. Like, I just don't see how they could have they could be the authors of this of this action. And and the last thing I guess just on that is that like the US, Afghanistan, Iraq, they didn't really fight farm formidable industrial opponents, right? Like which we're talking about Russia now that has gained a lot of experience in modern warfare, like World War style, like meat grinder type of, of you know, war um in that's an experience that the U.S. and Israel do not have. And, and on top of that, you know, the industrial capacity is compromised because we haven't even seen it, right? Like in allies of, uh, quote unquote, Ukraine, they were pulling out because they're like, we're depleting our own resources. So we cannot continue to help you. I'm sorry, part of one last myth that was punctured. No, it's fine. And remember, what they were saying in Ukraine was, wait till we get the challenger tanks wait till we get the bradleys wait till we get and they got them all they they gave them maybe not as much as they needed but a bunch and those things ended up fucking in flames on the field there like and they couldn't they they could not move more than kilometers through any through basic russian uh they, they never got even they barely got to the first line of defense these forces were found on the fields of what the crumple zone, which were basically just a section of the Russian defenses that were meant to be defeated because then you would slow your opponent down as they appended, approached your first line of defense 
once you penetrate your first line of defense, then you come to the second and then the third. And they had actually constructed a fourth. The U.S. The US material and the Western material never even, barely even got to the first line of defense. And that was just in the Robotny. Everywhere else, all it got, all, it only existed in the, what's called that, you know, squeezy zone that was meant to, to collapse. And, and it didn't even collapse that. Instead, what you had were hundreds of vehicles and flames in that region. So the U.S. found itself exposed, exposed, exposed as a, a paper tiger, really, in terms of thinking that it had this great military, this great technology that was going to game change a war. And instead, it's all done nothing. And all it's, all it's done is ended in defeat in relationship to a global power. And that, I think, is extremely worse in the United States. Again, how did they gain opening up a new front in that context? It, to me, the only people who gain by opening up a new front are the people who are winning. And the people who are winning are Russia and China. I guess, I guess I'll say this uh, while you chew. <laughs> and to re reiterate, Like that I'm saying that the U.S. might be on its heel doesn't mean they're out of the fight. You know, it actually makes the prospects of nuclear war more, more likely. Likely, I agree. Well, I mean, I wanted to factor in into all of this as well. Just like I think it was, was it just that? Um, just wanted to get some clarity. Was it the assets being released to Iran? right before the Hamas attack, right? There are some, there's some assets because South Korea had bought oil from Iran and then it was because of sanctions, there was, um, it was held and then it was, on, and, and then it was, it was released. And then that's what the Republicans are now saying that that's part of the reason why all of this is happening. Both Democrats and Republicans are supportive of Israel's, um, uh, they're united on this front. But I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out how this comes into factor in because I believe Iran has been a quite support, been supportive of the Palestinians, whereas Saudi Arabia and, you know, they've made a pact with Israel to move forward, as we've covered before as well. Um, what I would say about that, and I, I know I'm doing a lot of talking, but is I don't, no, I, I don't see that as indicative, as the indicator of Iranians' involvement. To me, what, what is more convincing to me that Iran would be involved in this way was the recent peace deal struck with, by China between Saudi Arabia and Iran. To me, the, the entrance of Saudi Arabia into BRICS cements the possibility of Iran acting more boldly and therefore Hamas acting more boldly in that region because of those geopolitical changes that have been taking place. And that's how I see. And that's why I don't like people said, oh, well, this Hamas is doing this to make Saudi Arabia uh, break a break, break a deal that's happening between Israel and Saudi Arabia. That thing is not was never, to my opinion, Israel was never going to make some kind of peace with it with Saudi Arabia because Saudi Arabia had already made peace with Iran and Saudi Arabia had is already being wooed onto bricks. They've already taken sides on this, folks. It's over. It's like Saudi Arabia is going to try to play both sides a little bit. But by and large, they even they smell the blood in the water and they know that the future is with China and Russia and with BRICS. It ain't with the United States. That's what it looks like to me. And so they are not, why would they go with a loser like Israel, which really means going with a loser like the United States when they've got a 
when they've got a giant power, yes, and, and China is having economic problems, but here's what it's not facing. It's not in a global war right now. The U.S. is in British Britain's situation, and China is in the U.S. situation. Britain is facing global war with Germany here and faced World War I, World War II. The United States can kick back and be like, we're sometimes in a war. We, we give both sides sometimes, and when we want to get involved, we get involved. That's the situation China's in. China's right now watching everyone else fight and be able to kick back and be like, well, we'll just we'll fund the sides we want to fund. We're on our side. And that's the situation they find themselves in. So it's like every one of these conflicts only strengthens China more geopolitically in the long run. And I guess this is a rhetorical question. Maybe we can at some point or if you want to answer it. But like I want I don't know much about China's own war industry. You know, like I wonder how, how that looks and and one last thing, and this, i sorry, Eduardo, you and I did this in an episode. We talked about, uh, it was three years ago, we talked about a massive investment deal struck between Iran and China that was like ports are being organized by China, all sorts of uh, intelligence is going to be, data is going to be collected together. It was almost, it was almost a complete mirror image of what the United States had set up with Israel being set up between China and Iran about two or three years ago. To me, that sort of thing is really what allows people to understand why what's happening is happening. I don't think it has much to do with a, with a recent $6 billion. To me, that's just politics. They're trying to say those folks are there. Don't vote for them. But it, I don't think it reveals geopolitically what's taking place in the world. And I, and I, I don't know the military situation of China in terms of, except to say that the, the one I know the most is it building its navy stronger and stronger and the u.s is now wondering if china has a stronger navy than them except for the except for the submarine fleet fleet which the u.s has an, a, a, the strongest in the world supposedly i think that the aircraft carriers the u.s has more uh, but in terms of number of ships the china has more ships in yeah numbers. Just, they're yeah. just more. yeah and the many people the, the the fact that U.S. does not have hypersonic missiles and Russia and China do give people reason to believe that those aircraft carriers will be sunk within minutes when a war starts because the hypersonic missiles cannot be shot down by any iron dome. There's no iron dome to get down hypersonic missiles. All those things do is go straight to any aircraft carrier and sink it. And that's what's going to happen. You know, it's funny because leftists are supportive of the Ukrainian war. You know, they, they're supportive of this. And then they're supportive of the Palestinian independence. But I don't know how, you know, we, we see Biden be, being so supportive of Israel and now wanting to bundle Taiwan, Israel, and the Ukraine into a funding so they can get money for military spending in Congress and it's like there those nations are not the same and any time and it's like it it's 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 the hypocritical part that I think it's like how can you say you want any you want any country to have their sovereignty and to be so independent but Israel has been occupying Palestine for a very long time and I just I, I just feel that these independence um movements these in, they're also just like the one in Taiwan, and we've discussed the Ukraine, 
it's already and the Rajava, I think it was as well in uh, Syria. Being in allies with the USA, it's like it already taints your relationship with the people who are trying to get those independent that independence. Um, that I think was very that to me was uh, was the most striking when we covered Syria and we covered the Rajava. Do you remember, Andy? And I said to you, you know, how the USA just abandoned them when Turkey, when they were done being used for the US, then suddenly they found themselves at war with Turkey because there's a war there with the Kurds. And I thought to myself, these are supposed to be these anarchists, these independent. And I even felt like I was defending them when we had an episode, you and I were arguing and debating about this. And I and I said, look, they 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 really are working towards an independent, like a rear force. And you just said, well, it's too late. This is an example. What we need to cover is an example of how, when you when you ally yourself with the U.S. American forces, you're screwed. They're they're not really backing you. They're going to be, they're going to just use you for what they politically need at that moment. And they should have never accepted that that friendship. And we see this with Taiwan. They should not accept it as well with the USA and the Ukraine as well, the Ukrainians as well. I can see the power and the the passion in trying to have their independence, but they shouldn't accept it then from the USA. And uh, so I think of this and I think about how when the leftists call for like intervention, are we asking the US American forces to intervene? that has a long history of wanting to intervene and take over. Like, this is what they're calling for, you know? I don't think Israel could really be on its own two feet without USA because it's surrounded by so many other like Lebanon and then Iran. Like, they're just right there, right? So they really need that power. But they also could gain that support from Russia, maybe, possibly, I don't know. And then the USA wouldn't want that because you still need that base in the Middle East and that ally. And it's looking quite, you know, what? Can you go ahead? No, but again, like you said, Saudi, let's just talk about the US, right? The, the devil that we know. <laughs> um, I'll say that the US is also willing to fight until the last Israeli. You know, like, yes, they're allies, you know, and they'll be useful, but that's their first line of defense. <laughs> Let's just call it that. You know, like, the Israelis are not safe. You know, like, I'm not going to play that whole perpetual victim card, you know, like, um, because, like, they're not the only people that have faced genocide, you know, and, like, you know, not to diminish that, but whatever. The point is that they are on the front lines. You know, they are, you know, as much as they are the vision dog that the U.S. releases in the region, the U.S. is going to be willing for them to get exterminated, you know, if it, if it means sustaining their, their, their empire or destroying their opponents. And so, you know, like, it, it, it's not just about, like, and in some ways, I, I think that's the same thing for the Palestinians. You know, look, they're getting fucking bombed. That's what I was asking that question. Why the fuck do they get? Where is the support? You know, because they're getting fucking annihilated. You know, and 
But, but again, the big players are moving their pieces. And, and, and this is, you know, proxy war, like you said, everywhere. And like, that was the world war. <laughs> you know, that was the world wars in Northern Africa, in the Pacific, in Europe, you know, and then the Cold War in Latin America that we don't consider it as vicious, but a fucking lot of people died too, you know, through proxies. And so this is the game, and, and I agree with you, Lipson. Like, this is a repartition, you know, like, I do see that more, you know, there is blood in the water. The, they, the challengers do feel bold. They're not making, like, hesitant moves. You know, and we've discussed, like, you know, in the past, like, it's, like, I don't know who said it, but, like, it took two world wars to, like, push the British Empire to the background. You know, and in the U.S. is the latest, you know, with the most technology, the furthest reach. And so challenging the, the U.S., um, it's going to be a bloody affair. And but it isn't. It is. You know, this is why the Russians went on an offensive in Ukraine, right? Because it is an existential fucking move. You gotta go for the win. You know, in in like even those alliances, like that. That's further down the road. <laughs> the Russian and Chinese alliances and the Iranians. You know, even those are tentative. You know, like uh, and so. But the people who get fucked are the people in the middle, like first, you know, but, 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 but don't, mis let's not mistake it, you know, we're actually all <laughs> at risk here, you know, because like we said before, this game can get out of hand and, you know, like, um, I guess, I don't know why, but I just want to say that it's, it's also fascinating to me, right? Like, how Israel is like the most highly educated populations in the world. Um, and yet they're pawns in this game. They're, they're not leading. They're not, you know, they're not game changers. I mean, they're not like the big players. You know, it, it has high technology surveillance, tactical shit that they've exported to the world. You know, they were also a proxy to the U.S. in that way because... They've gone to Latin America, for example, you know, to train people in oppressive uh, tactics, torture and all this shit. And yet they're also, they're not far behind the Palestinians. Yeah, and I, well, I guess I'll say this, and I, I, maybe that, that I, I have a question about, they're not, they are being used, you are right. They are proxies in the, in the same way that I currently the Palestinians are being used as proxies or, and unfortunately everyone's being used as proxies. But this question of, well, do you stand with Israel or do you stand with Palestine? I stand with Palestine. And I don't think Hamas represents an independent movement of the Palestinians for liberation, but I don't know what it does at this point in the globe right now. I don't know where that independent movement is. I definitely don't stand with Israel. I stand with Palestine. And for me, what has been exposed, and I've been, and I actually, I have been glad that even the left that has been so lame on all this fourth industrial, fourth industrial revolution, at least remembers itself enough to know that it doesn't stand with Israel at this time. Because what to me has been exposed in terms of the movement is the freedom movement. Much of the freedom movement, and of course, RFK Jr. is the, is the, is the poster child for this. But even Naomi Wolf, 
What did all these people worried about? They were worried about censorship, fourth industrial revolution, big tech coming in, geofencing, uh, a global technocratic uh, control grid that was being built on the globe. Who do you think lives in exactly that? The Palestinians. They literally live in that technocratic trap that you're so worried about, that Naomi Wolf was writing articles in the last two years about saying, we can't be put in that. Let's get out of that. So Israel, this thing with Hamas comes, Israel fucking hammers them. And what does Naomi Wolf say? I stand with Israel. Oh, don't, don't kill them all, but I stand with Israel. I was like, are you kidding me? Israel are the forces of the, tech, of the technocratic trap. They're the ones who built it there. Of course, with the United States helping and things like that. So it is shocking to me how quickly people forget their principles in just a short period of time. And so I'm not even going to go on the left on this one. This isn't to me, this isn't a left issue. This is actually people who are on the right, who are in the center. This is my folk in the freedom movement. They are not free, but they are dumb. That's the part of the freedom movement that they seem to have, have, have collected. The dumbness that is able to be fooled so quickly by like... The if you if you're afraid of the fourth industrial revolution, then look at the world the Palestinians live in, because that's where we're all headed. So why would you support their continued subjugation? Why would you support? Why would you even hesitate when there's some notion of trying to break out of that? That that somehow the forces that close them in that penitentiary should be emboldened to go back in and and screw those people up forever, daring to get out. It's like, dude, that's our future. We, I mean, it was said, but we are all Palestinians here at this point. We're all going to be living in that world. And it's going to get grimmer and grimmer and grimmer. And I think it's race to the bottom. So to me, the fact that people who say they fight for freedom in the same way that they, they can't seem to get open borders, it, it, I would say this is even, this is worse, actually. The fact that they don't get, like they literally are fooled by a moment like this. If you're for Israel right now, then you are for technocracy. You are for the fourth industrial revolution. I don't care what you say. If you you can tell me you're against the World Economic Forum, fuck off. You're for Israel. Israel is the fourth industrial revolution. They're doing it. They're the they're the leading special truth special forces putting that thing in operation. And that's going to be spreading it from the for the United States and the West. So it's that's the part that is crazy to me. And this is the part where it's like. I'm not even criticizing the left at this point. I mean, maybe part of it. I'm criticizing the freedom movement because I don't think it stands for freedom if it stands if it stands with Israel. So you're wrong. You are now, you are for slavery. You are for technocracy. You are Klaus Schwab's bitch. And that's what, it's just, that's, I, I don't know what to tell you other than that if you stand with Israel. So that's it. I don't think it's that different than, you know, the people who got manipulated by uh, the repenting unvaccinated person on the death deathbed. They're like, that, that, that was used to push that narrative. And like, I mean, to me, like, I understand your frustration and like, I share that, you know, in, but it also obviously points out how fucking easy, we talked about this before we recorded that, how easy it shows that Time and time again, the fuckers who run the world, our world, you know, the one where we're propagandized so much, they're so easily fucking chopped things up. Oh no, you're together in this topic, we'll divide you in this topic. You're together on that topic, we'll divide you on that fucking topic. You thought you had an alliance, fuck you, you don't have an alliance. You know, and 
and, and, and but like you said, you know, like I do think it comes down to principles. You know, even when when it's hard, right? Like uh, you have to ask your questions and you know and stand by that. And I, that's the only way I see it. Like you know, just like people abandon principles of freedom and you know, no borders doing the vaccine mandates and all that bullshit. You know, uh, again, it's happening again. <laughs> you know, I hear fucking Jimmy Dore talking, you know, the show that, you know, they're fucking up. You know, they're, they're talking about regulating the border, for example. You know, like a good, a good fucking immigration system. What the fuck does that mean? You know, and that is in close relationship with what you're talking about. You know, the, the control of Palestinians, which is one of the highest examples of what our future would look like. We're starting to look like more and more. Um, and so, yes, there is a cognitive dissonance going on often. And we all have to check ourselves because like, I'm not going to pretend like I haven't been fooled and I won't be fooled. But it's also where we regroup and we say I was wrong on that shit. Right. Like. And, and so, yes, I agree with you. A lot of people who we were a thousand percent on the same side on this you know, vaccine, passport, vaccine, you know, all this bullshit that was being shunned down our throats. I don't think they're exploring this shit further, far enough, you know, like to the full extent, you know, what does freedom actually fucking mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm appreciative that we're going and delving into what people's positions are and to see the hypocrisy if they're going to stand and say things, whether it be on the left or the right, which we know those are quite black and white. Wherever we stand with that, it's just going to be a calling out of the hypocrisy that they're not, they should be aware of and they, they need to make up their mind about, you know? I'm glad you brought up those points, both of you. Um, I thought for a second you were talking about Naomi Klein, but you're talking about Naomi Wolf, who has been so anti, you're, you're muted. <clears throat> be clear yeah it's naomi wolf because mm -hmm. i was impressed i was very disappointed by the positions naomi klein took recently around the vaccine far, big pharma things like that naomi wolf who was not in my opinion who was not as much an anti-capitalist as naomi klein she was great about re talking about the, the the fascist state that is rising around the surveillance state in the u.s state and suddenly she just, in my opinion, she literally flipped when you say you stand with Israel. And I see that happening. I'm not going to say I see it happening on the left. I see it happening in this freedom movement. And I see it happening on its right wing, in its center wing, and parts of its left wing. So it's like, that's, that's ridiculous. And I really agree with what Kenny said. It's like, dude, look how easily we just, we just got cracked again. We, I thought we learned a whole set of lessons out of the last two or three years. We didn't learn shit. That's what it looks like to me. You know, and, and you know, let's not talk about like I'm not, you know, like most leftists that just sprinkle in racism and shit. You know, but I understand racism as a function of this system, right? For for exploitation of everyone, and yet, you know, how easily many people have accepted these narratives of again the Islamic savages. You know, the irrational Islamic savages and let's support Israel. Uh, is there something to say about what we should say right, regarding Iran 
and their drones in Russia and how they are. And, and they just, I feel like, is there anything we need to say around that? Or even just the Wagner group in Mali with the coup, which is uh, Russia. Is there anything around that? Because I feel like what's happening in the, in the Middle East and in greater Africa in general is there's a huge investment, right? China, Russia, they're all trying to come into, and that's why there is a support towards Iran. There's a support towards the coups happening in Africa from China and even Russia and how there are alliances being made where it's taking almost the throne of the USA that has been in power in this whole globe for the longest time. And now we're seeing powers emerge. So I'm not sure if there's something to say about that, but that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing just a shift in the way that we think of global powers because just even the alliance of North Korea and, and Kim Jong-un going over there, you know, on a train in a very, you know, this was a symbolic thing because his, his uh, previous uh, person, had, a previous um, ruler had done so as well. I think it was his father, right? I'm not sure, I remember. And so I had done so as well by train. And there was, so I, I guess what I'm just saying is there are new alliances, there are new investments, and I'm seeing that connection. And as you mentioned with BRICS, which the USA was not invited to. And Brazil, having taken a stance of, yeah, we're not going to be for, you know, the Ukrainian conflict. Mm -hmm. And this is, this is what I just, for me, I guess what I'm just coming to terms with is, I don't know how, I, I think the, I think this is how the USA is, is scrambling to find its hold. And that's the reason why I believe it's still going to hold on to Israel. Do you know? So I'm just pointing things out because I'm trying to find connections. I'm just trying to find connections, trying to piece things like we're like looking at a uh, puzzle and like I'm showing, like, oh, maybe this might be a work here. We'll put this to the side or whatever. And we'll see this, how could this connected? Uh, there is yeah. like, uh, we've talked about a possible episode, right? On Africa. Cause yeah. I don't know much of what's going on. I, I suspect the same things. I, I, we know that the, world ch chessboard you know is getting uh, reshuffled right like pieces and people are picking alliances in and placing their bets on the winners you know and but that that is to me a further indication that you know the, the people who run the world know that some shit is coming you know and and, and it's not going to be a peaceful thing um but i do eventually want to you know, talk about Africa, but I think it serves its own like episode. Yeah. I think Eduardo, you did a good job framing the conversation that we'll have around Africa that will in this backdrop be thinking about Taiwan, thinking about Ukraine, and now thinking about what's going on in Israel. And so now I just think we need to kind of have another episode that goes more deeply into that. But, uh, and again, it does, right? Like it does, indicate world a world event world war type of stuff yeah and one last thing that this does tell me though is that i don't think the u.s has the initiative any longer in the globe i think the initiative is held by other powers and that's the part that people are thinking this was an israeli this was an israeli plan which really does mean this was a u.s plan 
is a world in which U.S. has the initiative globally and is, is making everyone else react. I think that world has shifted now. And I think China and Russia is, are now making everyone else react and making the U.S. react. And that's probably my biggest reason for seeing it this way versus seeing it the way that I think makes complete sense when people say this is just a false flag created by the Israeli government to do this, you know. And I, people who are saying that are not, they, they have complete credibility and I understand it. And actually, I have a tough time with some of their points and some of the points you've raised. But it doesn't make sense when I think about what's happening globally. And, and I think we don't, we haven't figured out, I believe, well, my hypothesis is, is that the initiative on the globe has changed from U.S. setting the tune to China and Russia setting the tune. And that's what's happening now. And so U.S. is reacting now. And so that's why I don't see them taking a move like this. Hmm. As we conclude, I the horrific images that are coming through on what's happening with civilians in the crossfire, I think it's, I just can't open up a social media because I think I'm just connected to the political side of not just like, um, you know, beauty and whatever. And you just see images and images and it's so hard. And I just feel for the people in the crossfire, you know, and the Palestinians that don't have anywhere to run. That that those images are haunting. And I've tried to just listen and listen and listen. And thank you, by the way, that link. Maybe I will share it, Andy. Um, I don't know if you want to share about your disagreements to, to that guy who's ex-US military. Yeah, the, the I think he's got some of the best resources, even if I don't fully agree with what he's saying. The the new Atlas, um, Brian Berletic, um, he was mm -hmm. a U.S. military guy. So I will put that his, 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 uh, link to his site because he's been very informative to me. What I want to cite is if people think like the numbers of people dying here are tiny in relationship to the level of blood the U.S. is willing to shed and the, I, and, and the level of innocent blood the U.S. is willing to shed. And I want to give an exact example of when Madeleine Albright was asked by oh. Leslie Straw from 60 Minutes and was faced with the fact that, look, your policies, your policies, your U.S. policies of sanctions on Iraq have been responsible, from the U.N. said, for killing 500,000 children, 500,000 children. Your policy, your Frank, th that's the outcome of your policies, 500,000 children dead in the region. What do you, what do you make of that? Is that worth it? That's what they what the, what was the question asked to Madeleine Albright. This is just one fucking flunky of the U.S. And she immediately said, you know, it's a tough call, but we think it's worth it. So, ladies and gentlemen, I know you're seeing things on the television. You're watching rave concerts get attacked. That's a bad thing. But our government thinks killing 500,000 children is worth it. So that, that's the numbers they're talking about. They talk. They don't talk in terms of hundreds of dead people, thousands of dead people. They think in terms of hundreds of thousands of dead people when they think about is their policy worth it? And I don't think there's a number high enough to reach that if as long as it enriches and empowers them, then that those people got to go. So let's just put aside the sadness, the grief. Oh, my God, the women and children, because that's these are the people you're dealing with. They're willing to kill hundreds of thousands of children for nothing except for power. And they say it. So just remember that.
And I'll probably yeah. put like like you do it sometime. I'm going to put that little clip in. Please do. I was going to say so. Yeah. And, and again, it, it's they've already done it. <laughs> like it's not like it's a possibility. They already have done it plenty of times. Yeah. Well, let's see what unfolds as we see more of yeah. and the story. My prediction is that this is going to be a long war, <laughs> but the part of this that goes against another, it looks like the U.S. is looking to get out of financially backing Ukraine, and that is a surprise to me. Like, I don't see how they can do that. I don't think, I don't see how they're going to be able to extract their hand and not receive a massive defeat geopolitically and a massive victory for their biggest opponent. So that part is surprising to me. But I predict that this is not going to be a short war. It's going to be bloody. It's going to mean a lot of casualties. And I think it's going to be very harmful. And it's going to be very hurtful to Israel and its and its, and its policies. And, and what it's trying to do there, I think Hezbollah is going to be drawn in. I do think the other countries are going to be supporting and bleeding Israel and thereby bleeding the United States through this proxy war. That's my that's my prediction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's see what it turns out to be then. Yeah. All right. It looks like I'm catching something. I but had me. I got sick uh, this weekend. Oh, I got a sore throat, <laughs> stuffy nose, um, and I felt kind of weak. You might just be making that up, according to Jeffrey Star. <laughs> I didn't say it was due to a virus. I just said I got sick. So don't. Well, what, what do you think? What do you think you're sick of, Andy Lipson? Toxins. I'm sick of Eduardo being late to this episode. At these 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 episodes. <laughs> I was late because you didn't remind me today. And I'm sick of making false promises. I should stop doing that. And I'm sick of hearing this bickering. I just hear. Uh, FYI, okay, let's, let's end, let's end first. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> well, uh, thank you, Andy, really for, uh, taking, calling me up, saying we should do this. Yeah. I really think that this is important. Well, it's just like the Ukrainian war. It's going to be an ongoing topic. I think we just have to cover and thank you for your analysis. And Kenny, thank you for showing up and giving your analysis as well. Uh, you know, when you show up, it really does, um, you give another perspective as well. And let's do this. Looking for the outro. Okay, cool. Here we go. All right, so that does it for this week's episode. What's Left is a weekly political podcast slash channel challenge in the mainstream left. We post information about our topics and our guests on the episode notes where we found this episode or on our blog at whatsleftpodcast.com. You can find past episodes to this podcast slash channel there and connect with us. I remind folks, if you fancy anything you have heard here, please subscribe, rate, review, turn on your notifications and to any of our platforms on Spotify, iTunes Podcast, uh, Google Play, BitChute, Odyssey, YouTube, Rumble, or Telegram. Uh, you can also find our blog at any of those links in the episode notes wherever you found this episode um, if you would like to give us feedback about something you heard or suggest something for us to cover contact us through our blog <clears throat> and I'm Eduardo Barca with co-host Kenny Cepeda and Andy Lipson and we'll see you next time uh, and my social uh, I forgot and you can find also our social media handles as well, you can find mine on Instagram as at Don Eduardo Barca alright thank you all for listening ciao